0: Hello.
1: Hello. How's it going? I'm great. <laughs> How, <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well too. Cool.
0: You want to um, talk about Sopranos?
1: Yeah. I mean Key a episode. hard a hard episode to talk about, a pretty like
0: Yeah visceral reaction yeah. to this episode.
1: So I don't really love talking about this episode in a lot of ways. It's pretty hard to watch and hard to talk about. It is. Um yeah, <laughs> So that's it, I guess.
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think there, there is a lot to kind of unpack. And, I mean, clearly this episode was ra- rather revolutionary just for the way that it portrayed a rape scene. I mean, it's just so gritty and real. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I think, done in a way that people really expected on TV. Even no. now, looking back <sighs> in 2018... I mean, I still can't really think of other episodes that have done anything like that. Or, sorry, any other shows that have done
1: anything like that. No, I know what you mean. Um, I think, like, we're a little bit more, like, I don't know. We're showing harder and harder things on TV and in movies now. Like, there's more space for it, I guess. Or more, I don't know, like, desire to explore some of those harder issues, I guess. But back then, that would have been crazy yeah. i actually remember when my parents because my parents watched this show before i did i was like an older teenager
0: yeah
1: and i remember like coming upstairs you know when they were watching it at night yeah. or whatever like at different times and i remember when they were watching this episode they told me to go downstairs right um and i was a teenager you know yeah. like but they were they were like no you can't watch this yeah that was like something that Right. They didn't want to expose me to. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's interesting, like with this episode, like in light of kind of like the fortunate son stuff last week, too, right? Like, what does it mean to protect certain people from information or from a lifestyle or whatever? Um, what does it mean, like how Melfi's son shows up at the hospital right afterwards? So I don't know. I think there, you know, there's definitely important things. Yeah. Um, I think there's also, and we can, like, choose what we want to talk about, I guess. But I think there's also a lot in this episode around, like, what it really means to take someone back. Mm. So we have it, like, with Melfi and Tony, obviously. We're still continuing to kind of, like, understand why she took Tony back as a patient yeah. or why she's so hesitant to, like, not let him go as a patient. Yeah. We see that she's taken back her ex-husband, yeah. Richard. Yeah. Um, I had one other thing in my head, but I forgot it at this point. Okay, yeah. um, But maybe it'll come back to me. So I think that there's an aspect of that, too, that I kind of want to explore. Right. And then... I don't know. What else? Yeah. Would you have anything else you... Yeah, well, I mean, I think that, like,
0: Melfi as a character is really unfolding yeah. in this episode. And I think it goes deeper than just the, the rape scene. I mean, I think there's also... A really like deep investigation of why she needs Tony Soprano in her mm-hmm. life and I think that this episode sets up something where she could use Tony for something in her life that she couldn't get from anywhere else mm-hmm. and that's something that she really struggles with and ultimately makes a decision on in the end of the episode yeah um yeah and so I mean I think that she it's a pivotal episode for her in a lot of ways obviously this is a pivotal catastrophic moment
1: in her life like yeah.
0: That she would be struggling with for the rest of the time that she's alive, but I think that she also makes some decisions that alter the course of the rest of the show and change her relationship with Tony in particular.
1: Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot. What yeah. do you want to kind of start with talking about?
0: Well, I know you were interested in the first scenes and yeah. the way that they unfolded, so I'd be interested in hearing your perspective on that. Yeah.
1: No, I just kind of, like kind of in light of that, like you know what it means to like take people back. Kind of thing. I just thought it was an interesting. I mean, this is an incredible episode. Like, let's just put that out there. Mm -hmm. I know we say that all the time. Um, I think this is an episode that, like, is it's almost like a standalone episode in some ways. Like, it. I don't know. It kind of it guides you through this progression. and we have, you know, like this rape scene happening almost in the very middle of the episode. Mm-hmm. So like that, you know, just like, I don't know, the arc of this episode is really yeah. interesting. And it kind of does tell in some ways like a full story about this event and the things that are going on around it. But we have the first scene we have is Irina calling the Soprano household, right? Yeah. And Carmela answering the phone or sorry, Tony, <laughs> Tony answered, t- Carmella <laughs> answering. Carmela not answering the phone. Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> Carmela saying, can you get it? Right. So like she could have answered the phone. Right. And it's Irina, Um, and she's all like dressed in black black, with boots and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But she always says that to Tony whenever, like, we had her saying it last week too when she was over at um, Livia's house, Mm -hmm. around the leg, like being like, "I miss you, Tony. Yeah, come like come back to me, kind of thing." Yeah. Um, and so we have him still being strong about not taking her back. And mm. I don't really, like, I it's hard for me to understand his motivations for not taking her back. Like, I just don't, I don't really get why.
0: Well, there's something really fascinating about this episode, and I find that they portray Tony in a more humanizing light than they often mm. do. In fact, when you look at the actions that Tony takes in this episode, like,
1: He comes across Not
0: taking... Yeah, not going back to Irina. Also, like, really trying to keep Jackie out of trouble.
1: And caring for Melfi, like, in a very genuine way.
0: Caring for Melfi, caring for Christopher. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. They really kind of, like, throw a wrench into our assessment and understanding of Tony Soprano Mm -hmm. as this villain. Because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of actions that he takes that humanize him. So it is. It is just like an. It's another complication to yeah. the way that we see him as a character.
1: But yeah, no. It's so yeah. It's hard for me to understand like his motivation. Like I don't really see his like. Um,
0: like why did he leave Irina?
1: Well, not like I. I kind of. I, I kind of understand why he left Irina, um, mm-hmm. but I don't understand why he wouldn't just take her back. I don't see like his like desire to be with Carmela as the reason why mm-hmm. I don't like. I'm just not sure what it is. It kind I of seems to be. It seems it be... like
0: he like reached a point where he wasn't attracted to who Irina was as a presence in his life and who she well, was. And he, I think she, she also... he wasn't
1: attracted to someone who would be attracted to him or want right. to be with him. I right. think right. So maybe that's still lingering there. Right. I don't know, but she's like clearly making it easy him if he wanted to do that right. and we'll see
0: yeah we'll yeah. see what
1: happens there <laughs> anyways but the second scene then we have is richard and melfi mm-hmm. being back together richard la and jennifer they keep they refer to her by her first name a lot in this episode yeah um
0: also cut the cue the uh and I'll, I'll talk about this later but like the cut from Irina wearing all black on the black phone tony wearing all white on the white phone and then an edit <laughs> Richard, he's like cutting parsley and it's like all green in the frame. Yeah. Which just kind of stands out compared to the whites and blacks. Yeah. I'll come back to it later because I actually think that that use of color kind of relates Mm -hmm. to a few other things. Mm
1: -hmm. No, I I agree. That that
0: edit at that point I thought was relevant.
1: Yeah. Um, It's interesting. Like we don't get any, you know, we see Melfi at a number of other times, not a number of the times, at one other time having a romantic partner. Mm -hmm. Right. The last time we saw Richard, they were, you know, they're like co-parenting Jason or whatever. And they seem to still be friendly. But we don't have a sense of how long ago they broke up, of what, you know, what their relationship was like back then. We we just have this kind of like vague sense of who he is. And he was kind of an asshole Mm -hmm. when we last encountered him. He was pretty belligerent um he continues to be like you know not my favorite character (laughs) Um, i love how he even refers to himself as dick lapena in this episode which like he was kind of using as a power thing at one point but he is a dick i really don't like that guy um but it's so it's hard for us to understand like with all that you know with what little we know about what melfi is going through in her conundrum about taking tony back and having tony as a patient um we know she's going through something, but this is also somehow part of it, right? Yeah. This is something that somewhere in the meantime has happened. Um, and she's made this choice. And she refers to it, like, later in the episode a little bit. Like, she talks about how, um, like, what was, like, with Cooperberg? she was like, what was I thinking? Like, of course, like, marrying. I married a man 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I forget how she says it. Like, I of course, he would, like, be or, paternalistic. Yeah, yeah. Or
0: something, yeah.
1: Um, I can't find it on my notes right now, but, um, so there's like clearly some thing that drew her back to him mm-hmm. or him back to her. I mean, you know, vice versa. Um, so that was like interesting to me in terms of how that's connected to her taking Tony back. Cause they use that kind of language around both, right? right. Like, you know, she's, he says something about her taking him back in that scene. Um and then we have a scene, then we have a scene in Melfi's office, right? So we go from just this Tony to Richard and Melfi to a scene in um Melfi's office where she kind of starts to agree with the things that Richard says about Tony and the things that Cooperberg says about Tony, because he wasn't taking things seriously, right? She thought they had this major breakthrough. Right. He didn't even remember to keep this log of his thoughts and associations, right? <laughs> Um and then we have Melfi with Cooperberg. I don't know, I just really liked this sequence, right? So then we have Melfi with Cooperberg and he's saying like why did you take him back, mm-hmm. right? Um she's talking about they're talking about Tony, but then they all are also talking about Richard, right? And that's when she does mention like Richard, he's older. I think she says like more patronizing or right. something like that. Like so this is like this other relationship that she has. Um And they talk about how psychotherapy is limited for anxiety disorder. So I don't know, I just saw these four opening scenes as, I don't know, highlighting these these multitudes of relationships between those four characters, I guess, right? Like, we don't see any other characters besides Tony, Irina, Melfi, and... Richard. Yeah. Um, and all of them have these kind of like complex, except I guess Irina and Richard are not related in any way, but all of them have these kind of like complex right. um, intertwined relationships that require this kind of like accepting someone back into your life or not accepting right. them and what that really means in terms of like how that relationship is in the context of others. I guess we see Elliot Cooperberg too, so I yeah. take that back. Right. Um, I don't know why Melfi continues to work with him. I think she should <laughs> she should leave him behind. Um, yeah, I don't know. They just stood out to me, they, and they were all. Like, it was just like the sequence. I actually found myself watching this episode like noting down because I, of course, I I've seen the show before. I know mm-hmm. that the rape scene is coming, and so I was paying attention to where in the episode that falls. Right. Um, and it's really like, you know, give or take my notation. It's about yeah. like the 10th scene only. Well,
0: yeah, there's a lot of other things that happen in this episode. Yeah. And I mean, this episode deals with, if you think about that scene as being kind of like the central part of the episode, there's a lot of fallout that happens after totally. that the episode is dealing with. But there's a lot that happens before that's just unrelated too. So, you know, like you said, like it's a standalone episode. It is, but there's a lot of other things that are going on and mm-hmm. the story is developing for Characters that have nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Johnny Sack is completely unrelated
1: mm-hmm. to
0: that drama. It's just such a powerful scene that I think when people reflect on this episode, that's what kind of
1: Yeah, I mean, it's out. also like, it's like the title, the title is related yeah. to it and stuff like that. So I do see it as, as central. Yeah. Um, oh,
0: definitely. Obviously. Definitely central.
1: I even see, I don't know, like, like kind of what you were saying about Tony, like the way that Tony's portrayed in this episode. Like, I think like the scenes that we do see give us a lot of insight give us a lot of that, right? They give us these kind of different perspectives on Tony. Yeah. So even when, like, it's like two scenes before the rape scene, um, Furio and Tony meet Ralphie in, like, a weird parking lot pizza restaurant. It's a really weird. Like, it's the way that it's positioned in the parking lot is very strange. But anyways, Furio and Tony show up, and they're, you know, Tony's going to talk to Ralphie about how he's put Gigi in charge of the crew, right? Mm -hmm. But before that, they talk about Jackie Aprile. And Tony says something, like, he's, like, um, he's, like, being a parent, that's the hardest part. Like, he's, like, uh, trying to give Ralphie, actually, some advice. Or, like, you know, like, it's about being, you know, kind of a father to this Jackie, right? Like, he's dating, you know, he's dating Rosalie. I don't know. Mm -hmm. He's, like, actually kind of, you know, trying to be on the same team. Um, But then he... He says something, I just wrote it, I wrote it down. He says something about, like, having bad tendencies, like that Ralphie has these bad tendencies, and he says, I've got them too. Yeah. And I think, like, and he's, so he's, like, being pretty open and, I don't know, like, frank with Ralphie about that at that time. You don't really see him kind of, like, show, like, admit that he's wrong, or, you know what I mean? But, like, in in this moment, he kind of, like, does try to connect with him and, like, explain, and he, like you know tries to help him to understand it at least which yeah. we know that ralphie's a crazy yeah and he doesn't understand that <laughs> uh, yeah ralphie
0: definitely starts to be established as a crazier person oh yeah crazier i have i wrote it right here sentence.
1: ralphie is a crazy ralphie is a crazy <laughs> <laughs> that which yeah. i think i didn't finish my sentence ralphie but. is a crazy yeah
0: yeah um, also, actually, a progression of scenes there where you were talking about talking to him about being a father. Yeah. Like, what's plaguing Tony in this episode? Yeah. Like his problems when he goes to
1: Melphy. The session with Malfi,
0: and She says, "Are you happy?" And that kind of largely goes unanswered. And then it changes into this diatribe about his his issues with AJ, mm-hmm. or maybe more just like stories about AJ. And Mm -hmm. then actually that has this weird kind of fade out and then it kind of just like leaves it, goes into Kupferberg's scene where Melfi is talking to him. And actually that's really interesting because at that point they introduce the idea of Melfi recognizing that she's been conned by a sociopath. Right. Which is something that starts to come back a lot in this show. Right. Um, But then also, yeah, that also is very shortly leading into the scene with, with Ralphie bringing Jackie to... Um, the guy's Mm -hmm. Mm brother-in-law this you know guy who operates the route, and obviously we're seeing a much more violent side of ralphie and it's you know it's it's identifying him as as crazier than what we're even used to in the Mm -hmm. in the mob family
1: um yeah i was gonna say something sorry i just lost my train of thought oh he smashes the toy um, airplane with with a phone with a white phone.
0: There's so many phones. Okay, I, know. I can't even I can't even hold back, but it's it's complicated to decipher what the the implications could be. Because and we've talked about especially in season 1, you know, the use of phones, black or white phones kind of signifying different things. But there's a lot in this episode. That very first scene, Tony and Irina, Tony on white phone, Irina on black phone. Later, Melfi calling Carmela, Melfi black phone, Carmela white phone. Then we have Richard LaPena calling the detective, Richard, you know, on a white phone. There's for something that they established in season one as a symbol,
1: mm-hmm. it's
0: it's interesting to see the way that it's kind of creeping in. Yeah. The way that it's creeping in here.
1: I know. We never see two and characters also, yeah, the on the same work. color phone.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. I know. And okay. smashing. I know. Anyway. It's it's just <laughs> something
1: I, I like I don't know. It's weird. That's a weird one. I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> it's worth noting.
0: Yeah. It is worth noting, um, and uh, if any of you have better ideas that I can come up with in yeah. this moment, then please let us know, because yeah. I'm very interested.
1: Well, and there actually is, like, quite a bit of communication that happens by phone, and I kind of, like, think about it in terms of, like, the wire that the FBI have set up and stuff like that, too, like, just kind of these channels of communication, mm-hmm. like, we see when he goes downstairs with Christopher, right, like, the, um, the people listening outside. Yeah. Um, from the basement and stuff like that. I don't know. There's just something about, like, the way in which characters, commute, like, are overheard or yeah. communicate with each other. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's, like,
0: often, like, two sides of an issue, too, right? Right. Like, and we have talked about Blacks and Whites representing, like, kind of, like a like, a dualism. Like, mm-hmm. a kind of, like, a duality to mm-hmm. seeing the world and issues and having kind of, like, a right and a wrong mm-hmm. or a simplified view. So a lot of the time when there's conflict between characters or two sides of a story they're kind of represented by two different mm-hmm. sides
1: i thought black meant death white too yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's decipherable i i like don't know if yeah. like but i i can tell he wants us to pay attention to it so i do
0: think it's it's intentional yeah. for sure oh yeah
1: oh yeah. yeah um the thing about so like just to go back to kind of like this stuff like all leading up to the the scene with melfi in the stairwell um we have her so like she cut you're right like she came to terms with the fact that she's being manipulated yeah right so then we see her in the next like after that scene with the weird pizza restaurant in a parking lot um that we have her we have a scene in melfi's office and that's when she's really pushing like you know this change in your course of therapy uh, i'm gonna bring you some reading materials but then she kind of changes her mind mid scene. Like, Tony's like, you know what, you're right. Mm-hmm. Like, I should, um, like, you know, maybe it is time for me to change, right? Yeah. And then she says no.
0: Well, that's, right. That's kind a, kind yeah. of like
1: at the end, the ending scene also yeah. has a no. Well, I, I thought, you know, but yeah. she's like, no. And then she kind of backtracks, like, I'm just saying, like, we'll start talking about it. Um like just I'll, I'll bring you some information like she kind of goes soft even though she comes in yeah. kind of like hard on well, him. I so I don't know yeah. why she changes her well, mind. Well, I think there's really
0: like there. layers there. So I mean there's yeah. two no's that Melphy gives in mm-hmm. that last scene. So there's the no in terms of, you know, Tony saying maybe it I am ready for CBT and Melphy mm-hmm. saying no. So she really backs off on her principles And that's there. right before the rape scene. No, I'm talking about at the very end of the episode. Oh, yeah, where she where Tony is. Well, we we
1: have it in that in that earlier scene too.
0: Right. So, I mean, I yeah. think that I think there's 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 many actually. Yeah. In terms of where the episode ends up, and in terms of like the finality, it's yeah. complicated and yeah. it's nuanced because there's these two no's. There's um, the the final no that we get of the entire episode, mm-hmm. which means that she's not willing to engage with Tony and have him be violent Mm -hmm. and to solve this problem through his means but she also says no about him leaving her Mm -hmm. so and we've been dealing with the fallout that she's been having over treating tony and we know that it's you know a very complicated psychological issue for her Mm -hmm. so she actually backs off in terms of letting him leave Mm -hmm. but she does not back off on breaking the social compact as she says not contract i'm not sure why but i
1: know they keep talking about the social compact (laughs) in this episode um yeah i don't know yeah it's interesting right like again i i never like gave melfi that much attention like i i like i paid attention to melfi's storyline obviously particularly like you know of course in this episode you remember this part but Like like I've said in earlier in, like, past times that we've talked about this, um, I've never seen her quite as, like, problematic as I do this time Mm -hmm. around. I kind of, like, put the blame all on Tony. Like, I didn't – like, I've never really –
0: She's a human character. She's human, yeah. Like, it's not like –
1: you know, like – but I've just never really noticed that, I guess, before. Like, how her psyche and her issues and her – her dreams all yeah. come, in, you know, come into play here. Yeah, this is just this is just a total aside. But who, which characters do we see dreams for? We see them for Tony. We see them for Melfi. We see Christopher. Yeah. Do we see any other characters' dreams?
0: Carmella, we've we see in the show. Okay. Um, Good question. At this point I can't think of any others. Okay. I, yeah. I
1: couldn't I I didn't remember Carmela, so I could only think of those three. Right. But I just find that interesting, like who we get that extra um insight into, particularly because, you know, there is this part of the show that's about psychotherapy and dreams and like puts places importance on those. Yeah. Too. You know. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and why we get their perspective and not that of other characters, I'm not sure.
0: Totally. It's interesting, too, how, I mean, whenever Melfi has a dream, I mean, it's such a different experience for us as a viewer because it's so broken down for us. Typically, the show is much more ambiguous in terms of when it's dealing with subconscious imagery. Mm. But whenever it's with Melfi, because she's an expert and she's often talking about it with Kupferberg, we actually yeah. get, like, a very, like, literal breakdown of what's yeah. going on. about what's maybe. So we're actually, yeah. well, maybe. And actually, <laughs> yeah. I think it's problematic. I yeah. don't think it's as simple as this is the correct yeah. answer. Like, it never Which is Kupferberg in Kupferberg always
1: wants to pretend that it is right he loves that <laughs>
0: and maybe like i want to pretend i want to pretend that there's real answers to this yeah. show but it's difficult we all do i mean yeah, that's a human that's
1: what he's playing with right yeah. like he that's our like human desire to like you know understand why the phones are black and white but mm-hmm. we can't
0: <laughs> but uh how about that dream though i mean it's yeah, it is well, it's interesting i mean we do get a reading of it and i think it's fair. It's a fair assessment that is entirely possible.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny kind of when it comes, like, I kind of want to talk about, because it actually comes quite a bit late, like, mm-hmm. later. It actually like comes. Like, we have, we have a lot of scenes of Melfi prior to that dream, Yeah, right? she's she already doesn't discovered have the dream. Jesus. I yeah. Guess. She doesn't have the dream right away, right? So, so after that scene in Melfi's office, we see her going down the stairs and that's when we see this rape scene happening, right? She's talking to Richard on the phone, um, you Know she does, we do note the guy coming down the stairs, right? Like, the, we have some camera emphasis on him, mm-hmm. so we look at his face. I, yeah. I, I think she also, like, she's able to identify him, so she has looked at his
0: yeah.
1: face as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have, I mean, that really awful scene, um, and then at, right afterwards, we have Melfi in the hospital, right? Yeah. Directly after. We have Richard coming and like you know caring for her kind of thing, like yeah. you know in this very Richard way. Um, and he's mad, like you right. know he kept he, he and throughout the well, episode. So is Jason, her well, son. Well, Jason's he's really, really, he's angry. really mad. He's, he's like animals are running wild. Yeah,
0: the world is a fucking sore. The yeah. animals, they're winning.
1: Yeah. Um. Which
0: is an interesting concept too, because in large part in the show that's true. Mm-hmm. The people who are taking and doing what they want are rewarded for it yeah and so there is it is hard to find recourse for the people that are just hit in fact there's even that line from tony near the end that's what's wrong with the world you know and, and he's saying an innocent person is driving along and some asshole comes right. and rams into you and yet <laughs> you know the irony that there's no self-reflection there that he's one of those assholes ramming into innocent people
1: of course all
0: over the place but I think that that's connected to what jason is yelling about you know that these animals are winning Mm. obviously tony has nothing to do with this jesus Mm. rossi incident but it is connected in that there are impacts on people who have nothing to do with this world like the soldiers that tony talks about they're not invested in this war they haven't you know signed away their life to this cause and yet they're still impacted by it
1: yeah no totally um It's interesting here. We have these kind of like three scenes in a row or actually like a lot of scenes in a row with Melfi. So we have and this is why, for some reason, I felt compelled to do this. But we have Melfi's office. We have Melfi's rape scene. We have Melfi at the hospital. We have Melfi calling the Soprano home, right, to tell Mm -hmm. to try to tell Tony, but ends up telling Carmela that she has to cancel um, Tuesday's appointment or whatever. And then we have a little bit of a scene at the Soprano home right afterwards where Tony's eating celery, I know you wanted to talk about that, I'll give you a second to yeah, talk about it in a second. It's okay. Um, and but then he does. He asks Carm. He, he kind of broaches the topic of Carmela coming to therapy mm-hmm. with him, right? Which he had kind of said like again that's another never humanizing
0: happen. incident for him.
1: Sure. <laughs> the fact that he
0: actually does that. And I kind didn't of expect like this
1: it. switch of character in some ways. Like, and Carmela doesn't really respond all that positively. I She's I, kind I find of just it complicated reading her. Yeah. Well, I don't
0: know. I actually think that the way for me reading the way Edie fell goes portraying Mm -hmm. it as um she's appearing stone face but underneath she's like melting a little bit and it's actually it is something that she wants it's complicated
1: it's It's complicated complicated. i think
0: she's putting on a like a stoic act a bit but it is actually something that she values yeah and i think she recognizes the fact that that is tony going outside of his comfort zone and actually trying to do something for the two of them
1: yeah no i think so um but then we get so then we get one more scene with Melfi right after that right so it's like this very Melfi heavy chunk Um, We see her on the couch, like, waking up from a nap, Mm -hmm. right? And that's when we have Richard calling the detective and this whole scene that ensues with him talking about the rape and, like, um, referring to himself as Dick. (laughs) Um, Kind of like, you know, and they get into this conversation about how he thought that she should call a security guard when she's in deserted parking garages um so we kind of have him blaming her right and then we have one scene between that at the bing but then we have her in up in bed appalled like right afterwards i'm sorry and then richard saying i'm
0: just frustrated yeah
1: Yeah. so it's so you get you get these little insights into their relationship too through this right um Anyways, that was just so like it was just that Melfi heavy chunk that I thought was important. But do you want to talk about celery and
0: parsley? <laughs> I would love to talk about. Celery. Or I or we can no, or no, we can I've...
1: finish talking about Melfi. And no, then no. We can I actually, I mean, it. based
0: on those scenes you just talked about, I you know there was a few things that I noted. Yeah. Um, and I think they're all related. So I mean, one of them is that moment actually where Tony is kind of showing, not remorse, but he, he's he's showing he's like he's caring for Melfi, and basically mm-hmm. he's showing you know, feelings that, you know, she was, albeit in a car crash. And he's eating yeah. the stick of celery. I actually thought that that was really interesting because we almost never see Tony eating anything healthy. No. And the way that the the frames are, yeah, the way that everything's composed, it's always very intentional that the celery is in the shot. Yeah. And that he's eating and it. Like and it's almost like centered. There's, yeah. you know, sound effects that are going along with it. For me, it actually kind of related to... That earlier scene, perhaps maybe i mean maybe where there was actually a cut from tony with like an extremely white and black color scheme to like the frame being kind of like dominated by these greens Mm -hmm, of richard mm -hmm. chopping the the parsley Mm -hmm. there's something for me about maybe tony being out of place in that situation showing compassion and also richard then being out of place later on when he's showing anger and frustration and trying to do something about this because there's some cuts yeah, that they're seem really, intentional. Yeah. The way that, you know, where you were saying, Melfi says, I'm sorry. Richard says, I'm just frustrated. And he's angry. Yeah, like his, Jason hand, is. Like his hands he's are all punchy. Yeah, he's like clenching his fist saying, you know, I would love to do something. I would love to just, you know, kill that guy. But I just can't. But I can't. Which obviously Tony could. And then there's a cut to Tony chopping wood. Yeah. From a super low angle, he looks extremely imposing. And again, now it's like, for me, it's like Tony is in his element. Whereas like the domestication of like, what Richard was doing where he was comfortable chopping parsley in the kitchen in the beginning was kind of his comfort zone. Yeah. It was just, there's something that's like tying those characters together a little bit. they're
1: like these two male characters in Melfi's life, you know, at a minimum, right? Like, like she's, you know engaging in this like kind of like that's why that like taking back kind of behavior really stuck out to me i guess because she's doing that same thing with both of these male characters and some of the reasons are overlapping like it is kind of this sense of being protected and being like she, when richard does it she refers to it as patronizing or you know like yeah. patriarchal or something like whatever right. word it is she uses Um, But when she, you know, in her dream, you know, with Tony, it's more Mm -hmm. like as protective. Right. Um, So I think she like she is subconsciously at least comparing and contrasting these two characters. These two men in her life and kind of uh, I think that's why we see these. I think that's why in this episode we see these comparisons. It's like kind of putting us into Melfi's position where she has these two contrasting people in her life yeah i don't know at this totally moment
0: yeah and also i mean like richard does have kind of like antiquated worldviews too yeah even him
1: like the one being the one talking on the phone yeah not passing the phone yeah
0: really having to be prodded for that and even when she says you know that she wants to call them he says you know i just told you everything they told me Mm -hmm. i'll call Mm -hmm. you know not you i mean he's really like an insensitive person he's actually like taking over this situation that is, you know, is hers.
1: Yeah, and again, like for this, like I know they have history, but that's why, like for this couple, like I want to know, like when did they get back together? Because, like, right. you know, if they're like if they've been divorced, like there's clearly a lot that they're having to work through at this time. And then you have this event happen, and then like right. people's reactions, right? I think people like to show their true selves. Yeah, and also that that, that character
0: ways. would take over that situation of course is he also would. really saying something about him.
1: Yeah, he's a dick.
0: He's a dick penna.
1: Yeah, dick penna. <laughs> dick Lepenna. Yeah. Um, yeah, because then we do – it's really funny, right? Because then I think that – and there's also, like you mentioned again, something to do with how Tony appears to us in this episode. He actually kind of does appear happy in this episode. We can see his tensions, mm-hmm. but we see him in some ways, like, as this kind of, like, lighter and caring person. Yeah. Or at least he's, like, holding back his – Yeah, anger but more than we've seen him right so like we see him kind of like grimacing at john sacramone's house like he's upset and he's angry Mm -hmm. but he's like he's kind of smiling and like making jokes yeah we see the same with we see the same with ralphie like ralphie's pissing him off and brought jackie to this
0: he actually deals with the issue pretty head-on in a pretty responsible manner yeah
1: and so like we do like you know we kind of see this different side and i think it is like how do people react in these kind of, like, crises or something like that. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: it's it's an interesting one. Yeah. Even, you know, like, um, you know, like, Tony's upset about, you know, people driving into innocent people, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, yes, he can't see how he does that in his own life. He never really sees how what he yeah. does impacts other people. But um, he's at least kind of, like, upset over this. Like, this is something that he's you know, he can identify as wrong, Yeah, right? It's also, um, yeah, it's
0: also a fascinating episode because it's it's a time where the show really identifies multiple characters who are engaging in behavior that's way worse than what Tony does. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not only Ralphie, who's starting to be associated, you know, identified as a character who is worse on the spectrum of badness than Tony. He's so bad. But obviously what happens to Melfi is also something that Tony wouldn't do. Yeah. He wouldn't engage in that kind of behavior. So... Even if the show wasn't right, you know, even if the show wasn't written in a way where where Tony was coming across as a more human, more compassionate person, even by relationship to the other people and the actions that are happening Mm -hmm. in this episode, he fares better. So Mm -hmm. it complicates our view of Mm -hmm. everybody because there's a spectrum of behavior and he's maybe not the worst anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, and like, you know, she talks about feeling safe yeah in her dream right where tony is this animal right speaking of like animals running wild or whatever jason said um you know we have so we have this dream right we hear this car sound we see this high voltage when digging sign which i don't think in my dreams i have that clear like
0: i think typically when you're in a dream actually and you look at like yeah. something like writing yeah. or like numbers or like detailed information actually it's super unstable and actually you it's yeah. pretty impossible but to she get remembered like the like acronym that. and stuff anyway yeah.
1: that was interesting um <laughs> we have this cola machine not coke but like acme cola or mm-hmm. whatever and she's paying for it with macaroni <laughs> <laughs> which
0: um, makes sense as one does
1: and then she's reaching in to get it and she's stuck and that's when she sees the dog Um, She gets one macaroni back for some reason. It's like returned to her. We have, we see Jesus and then we see him getting attacked by the dog, right? Mm -hmm. And she says afterwards that like that made her feel safe. She thought the dog was coming for her, Mm -hmm. but actually it made her feel safe. So, um, you know, I don't think Richard LaPena makes her feel safe.
0: No, and I actually think that the show like intentionally identifies him as a not powerful character like even like Melfi waking up from that dream he's wearing an eye mask yeah like he's just kind of lying there like he's not a powerful character and if you contrast that to Tony chopping wood from like the lowest possible camera angle Mm -hmm. it's it's the opposite it's the opposite Mm -hmm. thing
1: well and we see like (sighs) Yeah, we see Melfi, like, you know, with stronger views, too, in some ways. Like, she talks about how the justice system is fucked. Fucked
0: up. She could have a certain satisfaction in knowing I could have that asshole squashed like a Mm -hmm. bug. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but she doesn't want to break the civil compact. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. And then, so, like, our final scene, right, that we have alluded to or kind of mentioned... Um, it's Tony saying, like, he should probably go on to another form of therapy, right? right? Like, even though he's invited Carmella to come, like, you know, we see him kind of like coming around on this thing too. Um, and Melfi says no. And then she bursts into tears, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes over to her. He's like, Do you want to say something? And then, you know, we see this like extreme close up on her face. And she says no.
0: Yeah. Um, Very definitively.
1: Really definitively. And, you know, it's like it's like it's whatever. It's, Mel- it's the character of Melfi's choice that she did that. But I, I also kind of like struggle with like she's disclosed some things before to Tony. Um, and so what's kind of like helping her to not do that now? Or like what's making her feel safe enough? that she's going to be protected from Jesus, who's you know back on the loose and working at the rap store or whatever wherever <laughs> his is what is it called it's like something raps
0: i'm not sure yeah I um, love that scene though there it was so because like when she walks in and everybody's wearing the red hats for yeah. me it has this dreamlike quality where we feel like it can't be true
1: yeah
0: like she's processing it on some kind of like her subconscious is right, coming like out everyone's and, I'm, wearing I'm expecting this for hat. it to be yeah. a dream but it's not yeah and I mean that's such like that would be a typical thing for me to associate with dealing with trauma to mm-hmm. see it everywhere but then there's this fact that in this world these things are all related mm-hmm. and do come back mm-hmm. and that she actually discovers it and could do something about it too is really interesting because that's actually separate from her dream. Yeah. That's reality. Yeah. When I saw all those hats, it seems like it's heightened reality and it's impossible. Yeah. It's well, not.
1: and that happens before her dream too, right? Like I think it's kind of yeah. like triggering in some ways yeah. of like now she knows where he works. Yeah. Right? Like now she like has this power.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I think the if first time I saw it. it though, I think I probably thought that it was the beginning of a dream.
1: Interesting. I never. Something. Yeah. yeah. I, I can like now that you say that, like I can definitely see that. Yeah. But like she doesn't make the connection until she sees his picture. Right. You know, like she doesn't.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: You know, she doesn't know that that's where she's going to. Yeah. Where he, this person would work.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we definitely have like a a heightened from their way of portraying reality in the dream sequence. It's actually like that dream sequence is really, for me, really referencing the last scene of 2001, the Mm -hmm. Stanley Kubrick movie, which is something that David Chase has talked about in reference to the last scene. Of mm-hmm. the entire show. He said he was trying to get the feeling of that star child scene. And actually they do some of the exact same thing. So I think we've started to talk about these POV shots. Where they identify like a character's perspective. And using the camera to mm-hmm. show what a character's seeing. And they do that in this dream. Where you see Melfi's face establish it then we see another shot where we see what she's seeing in that room yeah except she's there now yeah so there's this like time continuity gap which works perfectly for a dream yeah because it doesn't flow sequentially but that's also i mean check out the last scene of 2001 i think you can see a lot of parallels just in terms of the way that it's filmed and it's definitely borrowing a lot from from those scenes
1: Yeah, yeah yeah no it's an interesting like kind of mind fuck if you will like How do you like? Because we talked about that with Melfi's other dream about seeing Tony, um, on the windshield or on the on the the on on the hood of the car, Mm -hmm. Um, and we talked about how like she's looking at herself, looking at Tony in this dream, right? But dreams are weird because, you know, like we're portraying a dream on a television screen, right? Like whose perspective is it? viewed from right it's kind of you from our perspective right like yeah. even in tony's dreams mm-hmm. like we see him in the dreams is that would he be like an onlooker of that dream like is he seeing himself in the dream or is right. he himself in the dream it's hard to right you know it's hard to position it when you have to show it on tv yeah but i think there is that aspect like i think it links into psychotherapy with like what it means to kind of like look at yourself and analyze yourself right and melfi is engaged in that kind of behavior yeah, more so than any other character really in the in the whole show like she's actually the one who's kind of taking the time to unpack her own issues yeah um uh, and really look at herself right and i think in this episode it is like she would have to deal with herself if she had broken the social compact yeah um and she's like i know.
0: think we we're just saying compact no the social I know. Compact.
1: is that a thing
0: <laughs> i thought it was social contract
1: me too but, For, but... actually
0: it's interesting because, like, for me, it makes me think of, like, compact or, like, gar- like garbage. It's, like, mm, a garbage yeah. term. So, like, of those malappropriism, that's the right word, right? Yep. Malappropriism. But <laughs> yeah. they're...
1: A malappropriism for oh, the man, word I'm malappropriism. All, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> yeah. But,
0: yeah, actually, the fact that it's a social compact, for me, that makes me think of, like, a garbage compactor, which is obviously such a big part of this show, and they talk a lot about garbage being their bread and butter, the garbage industry. And there's something about them kind of, shitting on the social contract and the social order and the fucked up justice mm-hmm. system that i think it's intentional that it's a social compact i didn't expect maybe. it coming from characters like richard lapena and melfi because they're from a different kind of like part of society yeah. than the other characters who make those mistakes yeah. they're supposed to be quote-unquote more educated or whatever yeah but they still make those mistakes i don't
1: this- know maybe some people say that
0: Maybe, maybe – just let us know if social compact is a thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. We're Canadian, so maybe yeah, we Yeah, maybe just... we
0: don't call it that in Canada. <laughs> yeah, I
1: don't know. Um, Yeah, what else did you want to touch on with this well, episode?
0: Um, I mean, the scenes with Johnny Sack are, you know, for, for Tony walking and him talking about his great room, mm-hmm. separate from his living room, the way that that great room is is filmed – and set up for me, it's so similar to Tony's mm-hmm. great room, mm-hmm. or whatever, but bigger, mm-hmm. and maybe like allow like the windows are allowing more light. It's just like it's a more inspiring space, mm-hmm. and the way that it's filmed is very like imposing camera work. Yeah,
1: I noted that too. And
0: you know, he even talks about how it's separate from his living room. So there's like an aspect of jealousy for Tony as a mm-hmm. character that Johnny Sack has more than him, mm-hmm. and is now like in his domain. And Johnny Sack, I think they really go out of their way to identify him as being different than the Sopranos crew when he walks into Satrials and, you know, he's saying, you don't stay up with current events. Yeah. Um, he's wearing a suit. Yeah. They're all, you know, Gigi Sistone is, well, all of them are, are joking about Ginny Sack and her weight. Right. Which we'll we come keep back watching because yeah. there's going to be a lot of impact from weight jokes on Ginny yeah. Sack. But Johnny comes in in a suit, you know, he's not interested in these kind of, like, degenerate yeah. jokings about Wade and Coos, I think, as he says. Yeah. But, you know, and He, and he called he,
1: them a bunch of illiterates. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs>
0: that doesn't sound like something the others would call yeah. But I think he's identified as a character from a different Mm-hmm. from a different realm
1: and but it's interesting that he makes this choice he and his wife make this choice to move to Jersey yeah and he gives some kind of crappy excuses like he talks about the schools aren't his kids older like does he have kids living at home with him oh I feel like his kids are older like that's irrelevant
0: I don't know if they've I, they've introduced well, his kids I know, yet but, but
1: yeah I think they're older
0: yeah well at this I you have to think about yeah I mean probably could be in high school.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Could be. But I anyway, I just felt yeah. like like all these excuses, right? Like and he tries to reassure Tony like, "Oh, I'm just it's just a place for me to live. Like yeah. I'm not trying to get involved." Yeah. Um but we see like then he shows up at uh, the right, back Central. room of the Bing. Yeah. Was the, yeah. <laughs> or was it Bing it okay? Was, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um and is getting like he just like shows up right. there while these guys are making jokes about his wife right they're not expecting him to show up he's supposed to be in New York right he's not supposed to just be able to show up at the Bing
0: right you know yeah and they feel comfortable to joke about his yeah, family of course and yet he's he's there, there now there
1: he is and he'll stay here
0: yeah it's interesting. Also, when they turn on the TV and Assemblyman Zellman, who's we've been briefly introduced to before us, talking mm-hmm. about this $25 million beautification project, restoring Newark to its former glory. is interesting that they're all just sitting around talking about or thinking about the profit that's going to come to them, yeah. like the irony of this beautification project and this like public works project that has been manipulated basically to just siphon money into right. the pockets like of the, these people. Out
1: of the beauty of what it's supposed to be. It's yeah. this. There's also a long shot of some ducks during that that's segment, right. which yeah. is interesting. Um, what about Janice in yeah. this episode?
0: Yeah, I love my my note I wrote about Janice, her great line at the end. I was functioning at a very high level until Richie dies. <laughs> yeah. She
1: oh my sure God. was. Janice, yeah. She I mean, I love when she's playing guitar. Me too. Um, it's really funny, like why is she doing that? Um, she's waiting to get these records back, right? And then, you know, and it's funny, like she's she when the Russian mafia come and, you know, hit her on the face. Um, she's like, How could you be so callous? And they're like, How could you be so callous? Like, you took someone's leg, yeah. Yeah, Like, (laughs) um, yeah, it's really interesting. And then we see like she's kind of lost this battle, so she's choosing a new tactic now. She's doing this religious Janice thing,
0: right? And you know, Tony clearly seeing through it immediately. Yeah,
1: he's like, We've been here before, with all these things. So, yeah, (laughs) Janice,
0: yeah, how about I have, um, well, it, for Jackie, there, there's these kind of like characters who have smaller parts in, in this episode that mm-hmm. I, I think are interesting because I think I things say, still happen was for say them. I
1: Christopher, but I don't know what you're
0: yeah. going to say. Well, I was actually going to talk about... I mean similar because you know Jackie mm-hmm. who's actually kind of been introduced as a parallel character to Christopher mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. this son character kind of wayward
1: mm-hmm.
0: in fact Tony's even talking to Christopher about how they're different but there's these issues of them you know yeah being Christopher's kind
1: of calling him out on his bullshit there
0: yeah he's a, you know yeah exactly like what does like that it's mean good, it's
1: not it's good enough for me but it's not yeah. good enough for him kind of yeah. thing yeah
0: well, and the idea, too, of, like, this conflict now between Tony and Ralphie. Tony wants to keep him out of the business. Ralphie thinks someone needs to show him how the real world works. And, you know, obviously Ralphie bringing him into environments that are going to be leading him down a, yeah, a, you know, an ugly path.
1: We also see that, you know, maybe Jackie and Meadow... There might be. We see him. Could be. Him maybe. And, him and Ralphie talk about Meadow over that meal that they're having together. Yeah. Right. When we see Jackie like staring at Adriana. Yeah. Meadow comes up, and then we see them interact later.
0: Yeah. We sure do. <laughs> <laughs> I am um, also. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, Little Lord Fuck Pants. <laughs> oh yeah, I
1: forgot about
0: that. Who's Little Lord Fuck Pants from the Agents? Whose marker is that? <laughs> about Jackie. that was
1: so funny I know they're like who's marker they're like looking through a book to see yeah. whose marker that is but yeah Christopher's really upset right Christopher's like um it's all right for me but not for Jackie and Tony kind of tries to like rationalize it he's like kids today they're spoiled like yeah. like they're not like you and of course we see Christopher at other times be referred to as this it's really small really small um you know and like we see tony other times talking about how this younger generation they're all these like yahoos you know they do drugs and they're spoiled right which christopher has been referred to now he's kind of passing that on to jackie as an excuse and then we get this like again like outwardly nice scene where he's like i love you you're a good boy yeah you know and that's very very it's very fatherly yeah Um, strong
0: strong dialogue for tony soprano yeah good boy yeah yeah
1: um i don't we don't hear him say that to eight well he does say to aj you're a good son i think he he
0: might even say those words at one point yeah but
1: um yeah i don't know it's an interesting it's an interesting scene right it is interesting like when we go back to last week's episode with the fortunate son like you know in terms of aj like would tony see that for aj would he see it for yeah. jackie would it's, see it's for definitely an extension of the last yeah. episode yeah,
0: yeah some of those themes um the only other thing i think i had was um you know there was like tony and melfi's kind of power play throughout the episode in terms of how this this is going to resolve itself and earlier on you know tony kind of pressing her with like when things get hard
1: Oh yeah, who pass
0: me on to someone else. Yeah, and then Melfi backs off. So he,
1: he says that at a, like in an earlier episode too.
0: Right, and there's also yeah. like an extreme close-up on Tony mm. um, to work it, So the, this this episode was directed by John Patterson, which is interesting because he's typically the director who they assign season finales to. Right, but there's always kind of a an importance to these like extreme close-ups of people's faces, and it's interesting how we they have use a few it. Of them yeah, in this, in this episode. Yeah, but that kind of like actually callousness of, of tony you know to kind of be aggressive on melfi and the fact that she's not sure enough of her um like
1: her reasons behind yeah yeah
0: exactly and her principles for guiding her you know towards away from tony
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: um he's able to kind of actually divert Manipulate it. her and, yeah. I, and another thing too that's interesting about that is actually she backs off because she does have the intention of kind of separating herself. He uses that kind of tactic, and it works, and then actually right after that is the rape scene
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so it kind of like leads right into that mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah well
1: yeah that's that's all kind of I have too like it's an interesting episode to talk about because there is so much and going it's so on dominated
0: and... by the scene on Melfi I mean mm-hmm. that's that's such a powerful emotional and yeah. disturbing scene
1: it's a, it's also like an action heavy episode right mm-hmm. like we're in episode four of the season the first two were kind of exploring issues like they you know like the first two there wasn't a ton of action there was a ton of like character development I would yeah. say but this episode it's a lot of action we start to set things up for the season
0: yeah so yeah well thank you for listening we'll be back soon there's a it's a really incredible season there's so many amazing episodes so um continue watching continue listening and we'll see you next time